Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. And I'm honored to announce that our first Mythic Fitness segment is with Michael Del Russi of Bold Spirits and Holistic Concepts. And Michael has uh, written a new book, I believe, and I'd love to learn more about it. Greetings, Michael. How are you? Hello, Hercules. It's great to be with you. Uh, the same here. I was checking out your Facebook page, and uh, I see that you published a new book. Yes, well, I believe it's, uh, I sent you a copy, um, Creative Health Manual, and uh, I just recently posted that on my, um, on my Facebook page, and it uh, basically covers a wide range of topics uh, concerning overall health, and uh, the reason why it's called Creative Health Manual is because uh, I believe much of what we uh, obtain uh, and in terms of good health comes from nature and uh, that's uh, at times very much overlooked by the conventional medical community so I wanted to emphasize just what we can do to treat uh, the body and the spirit through natural means so I'm very excited uh, to be able to introduce this to the public and um, I thank you for the opportunity to to talk about it Oh, it's my pleasure, and it's a great book, uh, Creative Health Manual, Age-Proofing the Skin and Body. Uh, yes. I have a copy here. I uh, read through it, and now I'm experimenting with different things. Uh, the mm-hmm. first things I experimented with were uh, reintroducing B-complex and vitamin C uh, mm-hmm. into my supplementation. So uh, upon mm-hmm. your suggestion, I'm giving it longer than 30 days uh, right. to see the results. So, uh uh, that's how I've started, and I've also uh, um, started experimenting with some of the other uh, 
techniques in the book for my uh, diabetes type 2. Yes. Uh, well, yes, and there's a wide range of supplements that have been shown to be very effective against type 2 diabetes. And uh, fiber, actually, fiber, two of the uh, substances I particularly like are uh, psyllium husk, which is a natural fiber, and apple pectin. Uh, both of which I have found through my own experimentation when taken in combination can not only lower blood sugar, but lower triglycerides and cholesterol as well. Uh, so I think there's uh, lots of potential in fiber and pectin. Uh, both apple pectin and the grapefruit pectin, as an example, have been shown in studies to slow the growth of certain cancers. So I wow. think pectin, yes, pectin and psyllium husk can be very valuable. And these are supplements, by the way, that are very inexpensive. I mean, these are not ex ex supplements that are going to break the bank by any means. So I think it's something that everyone should, should look into. Uh, the only caveat with, with fiber is if you're suffering from severe, uh, from diverticulitis or diverticulosis, uh, you need to be aware of whether that specific fiber is going to make the condition worse. But if you're healthy, basically, throughout the intestinal tract, uh, these simple, simple substances uh, can do wonders. Uh, the diabetes, an example, as we know, is divided into two types. Type 1 is really considered an autoimmune disease. Right. The body produces antibodies that attack and damage pancreatic beta cells. Uh, type uh, 1 diabetes is considered insulin dependent. Type 2 is far more common. In that disorder, the body's tissues become less sensitive to insulin action. Uh, so in order to get cells the glucose they need, beta cells must increase their production of insulin. Diabetes results when the beta, beta cells themselves are unable to secrete enough e extra insulin to overcome tissue resistance. So that's basically the, the difference between both types of diabetes. Then there's a third condition, which is very, unfortunately, is very common today, called Syndrome X. And scientists have given a name to that group because it's really a combination of high blood pressure, uh, 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 sugar diseases, and uh, uh, um, uh, overweight, mainly in the gut. And all of those conditions together produce something known as syndrome X, which again can lead to uh, type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure and other conditions. So, and that's basically due, of course, to the Western diet. So, you know, uh, again, it's a matter of diet modification, uh, first and foremost. I have also, on your suggestion, started uh, cutting back on my red meat and uh, uh, increasing my amount of uh, fish and chicken uh, so uh, that's underway, as well as uh, olive oil. So uh, well, yes. I, well, the great thing about olive oil is that it's, along with its many benefits, it's, it has an anti-inflammatory effect. And you know, one of the interesting uh, uh, discoveries in the last, I'd say, five years, is that something called chronic inflammation is basically responsible for most of the diseases that we suffer, especially long-term diseases. And we know that olive oil, along with olive leaf extract, boswella, which is an, Indian, an herb from India, curcumin, 
and uh, which is also an herb from India that seems to do so many things, uh, all of these can fight uh, um, systemic inflammation. Now, the interesting thing about carbs, you know, we've heard so much <laughs> negativity about carbs, and it's been taken way over the top. We know that simple carbs can be harmful in the long run. Simple sugars, glucose, there's no question about it. But a, a brand new study has uh, revealed that regardless of the type of protein consumed, low-carb diets significantly increase the risk of atrial fibrillation, according to a study presented at the latest uh, annual college, American College of Cardiology. Uh, they they uh, analyzed over 14,000 cases over a 20-year period, and they found that diets such as Atkins, ketogenic, some of these uh, diets that are based more on animal protein, the risk of atrial fibrillation is much higher when there's virtually no carbohydrates involved. And, you wow. know, I'm not surprised at this new study because if you think about it, both uh, the cardiovascular system as well as the neurological system thrive on sugar. And it's very, very dangerous to deprive yourself of carbohydrates completely. You know, we've... Uh, the carbs, for some odd reason, and I still don't understand all of it myself, uh, have been made the demon of our dietary experience. Yeah, and I, I personally adhere to a, a diet as promoted by Dr. Dean Ornish. And he has proven conclusively over, my God, the span of maybe three decades, that arteriosclerosis can be reduced significantly by adhering to a very low-fat diet, a diet that's high in complex carbohydrates and very little saturated fat. And I, as to my knowledge, it's the only diet out there that really has been able to accomplish this. It's not that easy a diet to follow because you're, you're, uh, uh, you're uh, consuming very little fat. Uh, and a lot of people just can't adhere to that. It's basically a Mediterranean vegan diet. But for those who can do so, you can actually reduce plaque in the arteries, which many conventional cardiologists feel is basically not possible. <laughs> so, uh, again, this is a brand-new study. So I would, I would tell anyone, if you're on basically a keto-flavored diet, at least be sure to consume some kind of high-fiber carbs, uh, right. some kind of vegetables, fruits on a daily basis, uh, some natural carbs to make sure you're getting the sugar that the body needs. No, that's very uh, true. I remember when uh, I experimented with different diets when I was first diagnosed with diabetes. And uh, when I went on the uh, paleo diet or the high-protein, high-fat diet mm -hmm. or the ketogenic diet or the Atkins, mm -hmm. you know, by a lot of different names, uh, mm -hmm. when I went back to the doctor uh, they saw that my uh, sugar was under control, uh, but then they also said, how did you lower your, uh, um, you know, the fats? Uh, and I thought mm -hmm. by eating, by eating fats, <laughs> that's how I lowered the fat. So right, um, right. I, I always ate salads and uh, um, mm -hmm. some more complex carbohydrates like sweet potatoes and uh, different types of vegetables. And now I've cut right. back the red meat to, uh, as well. So I'm eating more fish and more poultry. Um, well, I think that's uh, a very wise decision. I mean, uh, because we know that the overconsumption of red meat produces something called 
arachidonic acid, which is very, very inflammatory to practically every organ in the body. So, you know, for myself, I've been a vegan almost 40 years now. Uh, I don't force that concept on anyone. Veganism has worked for me so far. I'm an old man now, but it's worked for me very well. But I would say if you are going to consume red meat, by all means, try to limit it to maybe twice a week. And, you know, by all means, consume chicken and fish, uh, which are so uh, so helpful in so many ways, especially fish. So, But red meat, yes, I would say studies have shown all over the world that the overconsumption of red meat can really, really basically lead to nothing but trouble uh, in the long term. Uh, so I think that's wise of you to make that choice. It's uh, And I'm desiring red meat less. Now that I'm consuming it less, I'm desiring it less. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, interesting uh, aspect of lowering red meat is that it also lowers the production of a, an amino acid called homocysteine, which is very harmful to the cardiovascular system. You may or may not have heard of it. Uh, no. But lately, even in blood work, many cardiologists now are testing for the levels of homocysteine in the blood. That also contributes to inflammation in the arteries themselves. So again, it's these sources, mainly red meat, uh, high-fat dairy products, which seem to be uh, creating the kind of inflammation that the body certainly doesn't need, uh, especially when it comes to heart disease and, frankly, certain forms of cancer. Um, We've seen recently uh, aspirin as an example. Uh, There's been a number of studies on aspirin in the last two years. Very curious. Aspirin seems to slow the incidence of certain kinds of cancer. Uh, in, in some cases, as in the case of colon cancer, prevent it completely because aspirin obviously has the ability to reduce inflammation in the body. Uh, the only caveat with aspirin, of course, is if you're suffering from ulcers or anything of that type, you need to be careful. But um, multiple studies are being done on aspirin right now. I find it very interesting. And its effect to not only, of course, prevent uh, sudden heart attacks, but prevent certain kinds of cancer as well. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Um, so the only people I know that take aspirin regularly are as a blood uh, thinner. Yes, um, and that, that's important for o- overall uh, cardiovascular health. So, um, many people today take aspirin simply as a preventive, baby aspirin, and I think that's a good idea. And again, uh, the only uh, consideration would be if you're suffering from any intestinal issues of any kind, then, of course, you would want to consult your physician and see what their take is on it. But otherwise, yes, well, aspirin is from uh, natural sources. It's from white willow bark, which is an herb, as are several other drugs that have their uh, origin uh, in the herbal community. So, you know... uh, uh, it's been estimated that up to 40% of our medications have some type of herbal base. So nature calls, you know, the, the gods have provided us with a world of wonderful, wonderful natural remedies, and we just have to, like anything else, uncover them and to make them part of our lives. <clears throat> now, for um, I lift uh, weights, as you know. Right, um, yes. Are a bit uh, higher 
than somebody who doesn't uh, lift weights. Um, if I were to move into a more vegan type diet, um, how would I fulf best fulfill my protein requirements? Right. Well, and that's a very good question. I personally have depended on supplements for most of my training life. And I'm okay. very thankful that we have supplements available to us. However, uh, combining foods, combining foods, combining chicken with beans, uh, fish with beans, uh, egg whites are 100% protein and with virtually no cholesterol or fat. So I think egg whites are, in, and I, I utilize those as well, uh, egg whites are an excellent source of protein. Whey protein is used by many bodybuilders today. I don't have a problem with uh, whey protein, but as you and I have discussed in the past, uh, my creative mind tells me I'd rather go with uh, egg white protein and mm -hmm. uh, protein natural sources. But I have nothing. I'm not opposed to whey protein. Whey protein is also an excellent source. So I myself, I've, I've depended on egg white omelets and um, supplementation. I like to use a liquid protein supplement personally. Uh, they used to be very popular back in the 70s. Uh, there's still some good ones out there. There's one called Amino 23, which I get from bodybuilding.com, which, which is uh, really uh, tastes wonderful and has the full profile of amino acids. So egg whites, fish, combining fish with beans, chicken, will supply you with enough uh, of the amino acid profile to help you build the muscle that you're seeking. Um, with beans, uh, certain beans set off my diabetes, um, and uh, I find that if I eat beans like twice a week, I'm fine, mm -hmm. but if I eat it more than twice a week, then I'm not fine. And the same with dairy. Uh, I love dairy, but dairy is not my friend anymore, and now right. if I have the slightest bit of dairy, uh, I start breaking out like uh, very badly, and uh um, you know, whey protein, the isolate was good for years, uh, but the mm -hmm. past half a dozen times I tried uh, whey isolate, uh, it immediately made me break out. So now whey is out of the question. Um, I still have some uh, casein uh, protein, uh, which is cheese-based. I haven't uh, right. experimented with that uh, yet, but I suspect that uh, if whey isolate, uh, which is pretty pure, is uh, caused me to break out, that the casein will also... Uh, cause me to break out. So I might have to phase that out of my diet. Uh, right now, what I'm using is I'm using the uh, egg proteins, uh, almond protein, uh, mm -hmm. this new vegetarian protein. I, I think uh, Sun Warrior it's called. Uh, I've had good success okay. with that. And uh, I just picked up some uh, hemp protein, uh, but I haven't tried it yet. That sounds interesting. Well, it's not. I can. I, it's not surprising that you may have. You may have, uh, or have developed, an allergy to some uh, uh, dairy-based proteins. So there are there are many alternatives. Uh, I like this protein I'm using. It's called Amino 23. It's a liquid protein. It's uh, berry flavored. It's really delicious. And mm -hmm. uh, but there are alternatives out there and. Some of them we've just discussed. There's another one called carnivore, which is uh, actually from beef protein. Now, the great thing about that is even though it's from beef protein, it's an isolate, it's uh, fat and cholesterol-free. Uh, the the bodybuilder...
Kai Green started using that, and he uh, endorsed that for some time. Yes, I believe uh, I picked up some um, uh, collagen, beef collagen proteins, and I've had success with those as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I like that protein from beef. If it's isolated and the fats and the cholesterol have been eliminated, uh, I actually gravitate to that more so than the whey. And of course, we know that we follow our creative minds, our creative spirits. Right. Uh, that's where my creative mind has taken me. So, uh, and again, I have nothing. I have no knock on whey protein. It's very popular these days. But I'm kind of going the same direction you are. Uh, I'm leaning more towards protein from other sources. Beef is fine, as long as we can avoid the uh, cholesterol and the saturated fats. And most of those supplements, uh, they have been eliminated. But on the on the blood sugar, again, uh, I don't know if you're using any supplements specifically to lower blood sugar, but there are uh, many. Cinnamon and cayenne pepper currently. Okay. Uh, some of the others you might want to consider were our uh, chromium picolinate. I don't know if you've ever tried that. And not one not called not. Geminima silvestri, which is an herb from India. Uh, that's so effective that in, in India they call it the sugar buster. Uh, along with, uh, of course, your fibers and some of these other things. But the chromium, Geminima silvestri, cinnamon, uh, some of what you're using is 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 value. Magnesium can also be excellent. I don't know if you've experimented with that yet in terms of lowering blood sugar. Another excellent. Yeah, and biotin, the B vitamin biotin, okay. has been known to lower blood sugar significantly. Most of this is in my manual, and you might want to take a look at it. And any one of these supplements, any two or more. Uh, of course, if you're already on any, on any insulin or metformin, uh, you might want to check with your doctor because it's important if you're going on these supplements, you don't want to lower your blood sugar too low. Too low. So you no, have to be careful because these supplements can be very effective. So yeah, your no, fibers. I'm not on any medication right now. I'm uh, just basically whatever I'm doing uh, uh, naturally. Okay, well, that's great. And I would I would certainly... Uh, suggest, you know, starting or adding the psyllium husk and the apple pectin. If you did nothing else in terms of adding something, uh, they're so simple to use, so very inexpensive, and can be so very effective in so many areas, uh, whether it be lower, lowering the fats in the blood or lowering uh, blood sugar. I use already the psyllium husk with great success. Uh, and I will add the uh, pectins very soon. Um, I just wanted to not take too many things at once, uh, but uh, the apple pectin or the grapefruit pectin will be next uh, so that I can experiment with those as well. Right, I agree. I mean, it's it's uh, it's uh, gets a little complicated when you add too many uh, supplements in more ways than one. But, yes, I agree. If you're going to add two uh, I would recommend that definitely on a regular basis. I think you're wise to do that. Now, you've made it your ministry to help people get healthy, and I find that uh, a very wonderful, uh, fascinating, and empowering uh, concept. Mm -hmm. um, 
how do you go about helping people become healthier? You certainly uh, have this uh, platform. You've been writing books. Uh, you mm-hmm. have a company. Um, um, how do you spread the word um, beyond that? Because uh, this is a very awesome thing. I wish more people would help people get well. Well, uh, frankly, I would do workshops totally for free. I do workshops for free. There is no charge. Small groups, large groups. I would. I love to share the wisdom that I personally have accumulated over 40 years in this field since I, I was in my late teens. I would imagine. Uh, I belong to uh, the Life Extension Foundation, which is constantly sending updates. A very study. One of the uh, probably the best uh, anti-aging organization in the world, really. And they supply me with the latest information on uh, uh, nutrients against disease, if you will, and the latest validated studies. These aren't studies done by vitamin companies. They're not studies done by pharmaceuticals. These are independent studies done practically all over the world. Basically, I'm available whenever possible. I'll give a small group workshop. Uh, If somebody wants to do a fundraiser, I do everything to make myself available free of charge. The only thing I charge for is my manual, which I believe you have a copy of. And yes. that's that's only $3 a copy. And that, and frankly, that doesn't even cover, that doesn't cover my uh, expenses by any means. But it's fine because this is, a, I believe this is a, a ministry that I've been called to. I believe the gods have called me here. And I'm more than happy to follow that calling and uh, just changing people's lives. Uh, and that's what I'm called to do. And uh, that's the way I w- hope, frankly, to finish my days on this earth uh, doing that. that. That is an awesome and commendable thing. Um, I am the president of the Friends of the Crestia Library. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're always looking for uh, new uh, uh, workshops that help people with their optimal uh, wellness. I'm also their champion of optimal wellness. Uh, so mm-hmm. right now the summer is kind of slow with people coming in for workshops, but right. in the fall when people start uh, coming in again, uh, I'd love to have you there. And you could you could sell your book there also after you give your presentation. So um, you know, uh, just let me know if you're interested, and we'll schedule it for like September, October. I am interested, and uh, I'd be more than happy. I would be more than happy to do that. Uh, Whatever time we have left, and we only have a few minutes left, I just wanted to share on on a bodybuilder who I thought was probably really doesn't get enough in terms of uh, 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 attention, but I want to share the the short history of Bill Pearl. You may have heard of Bill Pearl. He won the Mr. Universe four times. And he would do great uh, feats of strength in the classic manner. He would follow the uh, uh, presentation of Eugene Sando in that area. And I'd like to just uh, send honors out to Bill Pearl. He was one of the great uh, inspirational figures in early bodybuilding. And uh, he did so much for so many people. Uh, He was an American Indian. He helped uh, many Indian tribes and raised money for them, and was one of the great influential bodybuilders of the 60s, and I'd just like to honor him today uh, on the program. 
thank you very much. And I enjoyed the other honor show that you did. Uh, so if you ever want to do a show honoring uh, anybody from uh, the bodybuilding past uh, or present, uh, please uh, do so. You're uh, doing an excellent service uh, for all our listeners, and I greatly appreciate it. And for me as well, I'm learning a lot as we're moving forward. Thank you so much, and uh, I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to share my 40 years of experience with you and the family. Uh, it's my pleasure, and thanks again, and I look forward to our next uh, conversation, Michael. I do as well, and blessings to all of you. And to you as well. Uh, we're gonna thank you, sir. Song Evolved by Bump Post Orchestra, uh, and thank you. And then we'll be back with uh, Ryan Foley and Furian Strength.
into the mind-body connection, and we'll be learning a lot about the benefits of exercise uh, when you're dealing with depression and other uh, states of mind uh, that might not be as positive. Greetings and welcome. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. I've been looking forward to it. How are you, Ryan? Well, it's uh, you you know, I always say the same thing whenever I come on, uh, and, and I always say how fantastic I am. Uh, but in, in the words of, of the, the late, great Rodney Dangerfield, uh, who once said, you know, I'm okay now, uh, but last week I was in rough shape. And I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's kind of, it, and, you know, and, and, but it actually dovetails perfectly into, into what uh, we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, and it is kind of one of those things where uh, we just, we naturally, you know, try to put on that brave face and say everything's fine, everything's fantastic. And, and I can say that, that, that this week has been uh, uh, better but uh, it seems like over the last uh, few weeks, I was certainly going on a roller coaster, and I think that's going to uh, feed in wonderfully into to what we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, most certainly so. I read your uh, proposal that you sent over, and it was uh, phenomenal. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, um, basically exploring this uh, topic because it is one that needs to be explored. Sure. Okay. So uh, just a, a quick uh, background for me, for your listeners. Uh, it was uh, roughly five years ago in June of 2014. Uh, I was extremely dissatisfied with my physical appearance. And, and given, given my height, my weight, uh, my body mass index, I was probably technically obese. And uh, this led to a variety of issues with my self-esteem. And um, uh, finally having enough, I decided to join a gym. And it was the first time uh, seriously working out since high school and, and college. Uh, and it was very much an uphill climb. And uh, so when I was going through and I was doing my research of all the stuff that I need to do, uh, clearly I was, I was prepared uh, to see improvements physically. Uh, but what I was not prepared for was the improvements that happened to me emotionally. And there are many ways where I think that that emotional improvement uh, is just as important as the physical improvement and, and maybe even more so. And so I think a lot of this stems from the fact that right now, I think in our culture, we're, we're dealing with a depressed nation. And I'm, I, not everyone is going to have self-esteem and, and depression issues brought on simply by body image. 
uh, depression can come from a, a variety of places. Yes. But if you look around, uh, clearly we can see that there, there's something wrong with our culture right now. Um, I think we're inundated with feelings of inadequacy. And while I don't have the numbers in front of me, I'm willing to bet that if we were to chart a, a graph of data, um, I bet we would see a direct correlation between the rise in these feelings with inadequacy at the same rate as we've seen the growth of social media. And um, so I, I do think that there's definitely a, a correlation there. And so as men, uh, we're often terrified to admit when we are in emotional pain because we don't want to be labeled as weak. Uh, I mean, how many times have we been told to, you know, just walk it off or man up? Uh, so as men, we just we bottle up these feelings, and we often suffer in silence. And I think that this is something that definitely has to change. So uh, just to throw some numbers here for your listeners, uh, okay. in November of two thousand in November of two thousand eighteen, the CDC reported that there was an that an average American's likelihood of dying by suicide, at it and this is in any given age range, uh, rose thirty three percent between 1999 and 2017. And so I think, yeah, 33%, it's a ridiculously high increase. Uh, Depression is is reaching all-time highs. And and there was a stretch there uh, where my dad wanted me to to get into therapy. And I I told him, I said, Dad, I'm I'm poor. You know, poor people don't go to therapy. We drink. And uh, now I I say that jokingly, but uh, Uh I'm willing to bet that that I'm willing to bet that that comment probably hit home uh, with far too many of your listeners. You know, uh, I think this is just my, this is just my personal belief. uh, But I think far too many people turn to drugs and alcohol as an escape because they're not satisfied with their lives. And so Mm -hmm. instead of facing the challenges head on, far too many people are just drinking away the pain. And, and so I, I also think this is, this is something that needs to change. Right. So uh, I, I do understand uh, the crippling feeling that comes on with depression. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, there was a time in my life where things were really bad. It was far better, far worse than, than what I'm dealing with now. Uh, and I, I went on antidepressants for a time, but quite simply, they just, they didn't do jack for me. Um, I was lucky in that I didn't need therapy or, or analytical psychology to, to understand the root cause of my depression. I was very lucky. It was an external stressor, and there were mm-hmm. no amount of pills that were going to reverse it. I could, I could literally point to the cause of my depression. And, and once I had that source removed from my life, the depression went away. And so uh, I was very lucky in that sense, and many people are not as lucky. Um, it seems like our, our solution in America these days is just throw pills at the problem. And so we live in this nation of, of medicated zombies. Um, I, I love the, uh, Stephen Colbert, the, the host of uh, The Late Show. And mm-hmm. I was listening to him on, a, on an interview, and he was talking about his, uh, it, his issues with depression. And, and he once equated pills with throwing a blanket over the problem. It's, it, it, instead of dealing with it, you're just – trying to keep it out of sight, out of mind. And I think you'd be, I think a lot of people would find that that, that their experience would still ring true, uh, you know, with something like that. And uh, then we go into the fact that pills are expensive and the effectiveness of antidepressants diminish over time. Uh, so it leaves your patients hooked uh, on this medication, uh, but they suffer more from the side effects than, than the benefits. Um, so these are all problems that so many of us are, are dealing with. And, you know, so while we may deal with these issues with booze or, or drugs, 
uh, recent studies have shown that there might be a better alternative. And this is where I, so I just, I need to lay all this out first so everyone can understand. Oh, of course. Uh, so, yeah. And so now I want to bring it back. And so this is where, this is where the mythic fitness part of the show gets, you know, gets tied back in. Okay. Um, so there was a new study uh, at the university of Vermont medical center that is suggesting that exercise should be prescribed to patients with mental health issues before psychiatric drugs. So uh, we've just, we've gotten to a point 80% of Americans are considered to be insufficiently active. Uh, we've, we've moved to this sedentary lifestyle and I'm guilty of it too. I, I work behind a desk uh, at my nine to five job and I'm writing a novel right now, which also has me sitting at a desk for long periods of time. Well, so what these doctors did is they took a, they roughly roughly about 100 volunteers, and rather than just throwing pills at the patients suffering from depression, they opted for implementing an exercise program. And okay. out of that 100 volunteers that they did, 95% of patients reported feeling better, and 63% of those reported feeling happy or very happy. And so these researchers wow. are now suggesting that, that mental health facilities should be built with gyms moving forward. Um, and, and I think the researchers, they're suggesting that, you know, we'll, we'll do exercise first. Let's see if that helps the issue. And then if it doesn't, then they're suggesting moving on to, to medication. Uh, but we've come so far in the way of sports science these days. Uh, we understand so much more by studying physiology with, you know, scientific methods. And they've determined through their medical research that lifting weights helps reduce depression while cardiovascular activities reduce the effects of anxiety. And uh, pretty much all doctors are going to agree that any type of movement is going to improve your, your mental health. I mean, there's right. a reason why the FBI has its field agents on rigorous exercise programs. They want the body strong uh, in order to make the, the mind strong. So, uh, the, the, research were, the researchers were wondering, well, why is this? What are the psychological benefits of exercise when you're dealing with depression? Okay, so uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger said it best, uh, and if anyone's going to know, it's him, uh, but it's, it's no pain, no gain. Okay, uh -huh. so it's just that's it. So when you work out, it hurts. Uh, it, it hurts because you're literally going through and you're, you're doing all these little micro tears in your muscles as you're trying to get them built. And so uh, you work out really hard and then, you know, uh, maybe the next day or, uh, or maybe the day after that, you're starting to experience all this soreness in your muscles. Well, those are your muscles stitching themselves back together after you've, right. through and you've done all these little, these micro tears. So, um, so you go through and you start working out and, and it hurts. And so your body is screaming for you to stop because it doesn't want to be in pain. But then when you say, no, no, we're, we're pushing through this pain, we're going to keep going. And so when your body figures out, hey, he's not stopping, and this really hurts, so we've got to do something to help mitigate this pain that we're in. So what your brain does, as soon as it realizes you're not going to quit, it starts pumping all these chemicals into your system to help mitigate that pain. And right. those chemicals are endorphins. So these endorphins they act as an analgesic uh, as so much that they diminish your perception of pain. The, the pain is still there, but your brain's you know, flooding your body with chemicals so that way you don't sense it as much. And these endorphins will trigger a, a positive feeling 
in the body that's very similar that's very similar chemically to morphine. Um, in bodybuilding, it's referred to as the pump. Uh, Schwarzenegger yeah. talks about that in Pumping Iron about how great you. There's that moment where you just you achieve this incredible sense of energy. Uh, uh, runners will refer to it as their runner's high uh, when, mm-hmm. when they finally break through that barrier and then they just they feel great. And and so what happened is that feeling is accompanied by this positive and energizing outlook on life. However, uh, unlike morphine the activation of these receptors by the body's endorphins, they don't lead to addiction. They don't lead to dependence. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a natural high that you're getting here. And so through the regular exercise, they've proven it reduces stress. Uh, as I said, it, it can, depending on what you do, uh, it can ward off anxiety if, if you go with, uh, or it can, the, the feelings of depression. So if you're going through, uh, if you're feeling that depression, go through and get lift and iron. And if you do that, that's going to help that. If you've got too much anxiety, go for a run. You know, you're going to be surprised at how much that's going to alleviate all this, this pain that you're in. And then, but through the physical improvement, there's going to be a boost in your self-esteem. Uh, when your clothes start fitting better and you start looking better in the mirror, okay, so the, the, the self-esteem is going to come. That's going to help diminish that depression. And then not to mention the fact that you're working really hard. And so as a result, you're going to be tired, uh, which is going to improve your sleep. And sleep is where right. the improvements are really made. You know, it's, it's that good eight hours of restful sleep. Uh, if you have that, your body's going to heal up better uh, from all those micro tears that you've done. And then there's also the, the fact that now, uh, me personally, I work out alone. Uh, and, and I just work out alone because I don't have anyone that matches my schedule. Uh, but lifting weights, uh, for me, that, that's not your only exercise option. And obviously strong social support as important for those with depression. So if you join an exercise class, that may be more beneficial to you, a spin class, a yoga class, something like that where you can do it with someone uh, so you can get that encouragement. And, or, you know, if, you, if you're lucky enough to be able to exercise with a close friend or, or if you're really lucky, uh, you get to exercise with your life partner. And, and in doing so, you benefit from physical activity, but then you also get that emotional comfort, knowing that others are there to, you know, to be supportive of you. And so, so if you're like me and you don't have a partner, yeah, that's fine. Uh, you can gain emotional support on social media. And I know, I know I just, you know, started this whole thing off by saying how bad social media is. And it's not if, if used properly. Uh, right. You know, there's all sorts of support groups that are out there uh, on Facebook and on Reddit uh, that, that would help you with your, with your journey. And, and so uh, basically the, the, the old theory is that um, as, the, as the mind goes, so goes the body. Uh, and so uh, George Patton has this, this famous quote about how the mind is the key. Uh, he said it was something to the effect of uh, uh, you have to make the mind run the body. You never let the body tell the mind what to do because the, the body's uh, never tired if the mind's not tired. But <laughs> I, now what they're, so now what they're starting to show is that maybe they go a little more hand in hand. And if we look at this from a different perspective, you can come along and say, well, hey, by training, the, by training the body, we can actually go through and jumpstart the mind. And so I think when the two of these are working in concert with one another, uh, there's going to be times where the, you know, the, the body is going to be willing, but the, the spirit's going to be weak. And then there's, there's going to be times where it's going to flip and, you know, and the body is going to be weak, but the, you know, but the spirit is willing. And so I think you have to find that balance. So if you get to that point where where you are, where you're down in that valley. I, I know it sounds almost kind of cliche, but my advice to, to all your listeners would be to go in there and get in the gym. And I think by doing that, 
we may find a way to work ourselves out of some of these funks that we find ourselves in. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I find that uh, uh, I was just speaking uh, to my wife about this a little while ago, in fact, that, uh, uh, you know, I've gone through huge chunks of my life where I used to work out like a maniac, and then I've gone through other uh, points in my life where I didn't. And uh, I, you know, I can honestly say that when I do work out, I'm a lot happier and focused and motivated uh, than when I don't. Uh, so exactly. It's, and it's a journey that I find is enjoyable. So it's, uh, I don't even really, you know, although I, I have goals and I aim for the goals and I, I change my uh, routines around to, you know, uh, uh, support things that are more effective than other things. Uh, I find that I actually enjoy the journey of lifting the weights and playing with the exercise toys. Like uh, uh, I have kettlebells, I have uh, dumbbells, I have the new D weights uh, I've been playing with. Uh, but then I also have like uh, uh, the Hercules twister or the spring twister or the python twisters, they call it. I have like pool noodles and dowels and all sorts of elastic bands. And uh, I, I don't get bored in my workouts because I know how to use the equipment now. So I can give myself a really great uh, workout, even if I'm just doing isometrics with no equipment. Uh, so right. it, it's a delightful uh, journey. And uh, I aim for like uh, two, three times a day, knowing that some days that's going to be impossible, but that, as you said before, muscles grow when you're resting. So if I don't get to exercise as much as I'd like, well, my body's uh, recovering and growing. So everything contributes to my workout, regardless of what I do. And I think of it in those uh, terms, uh, too. And because I'm focused on enjoying the journey uh, it isn't drudgery. It isn't, oh, I got to go work out and you know, stuff like that. I'm always looking forward, you know, to uh, playing with whatever equipment I have for whatever time I have and then feeling that pump, feeling those endorphins. And, uh, and that, that is a wonderful uh, feeling. And especially if you're doing heavy weights, it's a form of meditation because you can injure yourself very badly if you're not focused on what you're doing. You know, like if That's you're doing true. a tricep while you're lying down on a bench, you really need to focus on that weight or you could brain yourself, you know, uh, or right. you could drop yeah. a barbell on your throat, you know, so uh, your, your motivation is very high to remain very focused. And I have like attention deficit disorder. My brain's like all over the place and it's very difficult to focus at times. I've, I've learned through years of meditation to focus, but also bodybuilding because of the danger element uh, gets me very focused very fast. So it puts me in a totally different state of, of mind. Um, I want to thank you for sharing all that you've uh, shared. It's very personal, but very important. And you're absolutely right. Uh, I hear more people now that were connected feeling disconnected. Uh, and it's, it's an amazing yeah. paradox. And uh, I, I've heard a lot of people, uh, um, you know, in private conversations um, confiding that they feel very depressed. And these are people who are successful. Some of them are much more successful than I am. And, you know, I, I can see the blessings, you know, that they enjoy, but in their mind, which is where it counts, um, you know, they're, they're depressed and it's their reality. So it needs to be respected. Uh, and, uh, um, what you share tonight is is very, very important for very many people to start thinking about that. And yes, physical exercise is a very good way to start because um, you're, you're getting out of wherever your brain is taking you and focusing on your body again and your overall well-being. 
that's true. And and I you brought up a, an absolutely fantastic point that I, that I'd like to go back to. Uh, you know, sure. someone asked me one time uh, how long I was going to to be on this this journey that I'm on, and you know, I, I stopped and, and thought about that for a little while, and it's basically. I'm attempting to do this for as long as I possibly can do right. this. I, I think it's, it's, it's an adaptive, it's adapting to a lifestyle. And uh, it was uh, uh, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about how he didn't, he wouldn't want immortality if he could have it because mortality is what gives us a, a sense of urgency. Uh, it's what yes. gets us out of bed in the morning. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think you can also look at it on this is going to be a journey that I'm on for the rest of my life now. And so as a result, I'm not in a tremendous hurry. If I'm not, you know, down to, to 8% body fat, that's certainly not a failure on my part. I'm continuing to find new ways to grow. And, and basically right. it's about, it's about setting realistic goals. And so uh, right now my goal is to look good in a t-shirt, you know, uh, and, uh, and so I can see where, a lot of people, they can look at, you know, uh, uh, genetics are going to play a factor. You know, you want to, and it's easy for us to look at those guys in Hollywood and want to compare ourselves to them. And maybe this is not necessarily a, a championship attitude, but, you know, those actors in Hollywood, they work with the best trainers and dietitians right. in the business to look the way that they do. Uh, you know, Gerard Butler does not look. Uh, today like he did in 300 you know it's uh, and and I've heard uh, allegedly you know it's uh, Channing Tatum you know trained for months uh, all for for all of one day of filming on the on the the set of Magic Mike you know it's uh, Chris uh, uh, Chris Pratt for doing Guardians of the Galaxy he knew exactly what day he was going to have to film that scene where he wasn't wearing his shirt and so they trained for months all to get to that one day and then after right. that one day's over, they, they go back to being normal. Uh, so you don't want that to be – so it's – and the reason why I bring all this up is because if your listeners, if they're struggling, the last thing I would want to do is to put them on an exercise program and then have them spiral further down into depression because they're not looking the way that they want to look within a certain amount of time. So it is it's, – it's a long process that, that I'm on to get to the goals that I want to get to. And so as a result – I'm taking my time. I'm enjoying the journey, which is you know, that, as, the same as you. I'm, I'm enjoying the journey, and I'm having fun getting there. I still enjoy you know, finding new exercises to do, new workouts to do. And so as a result, that keeps me energized. It keeps me charged. It keeps me coming back uh, for now what's, what's been going on for now over five years. And so it's kind of one of those things for, for all your listeners. Uh, uh, take it from me, uh, although I'm, I'm, I'm the farthest thing from an expert, but I, I do feel that I'm kind of living proof that if you're struggling, if it's hard, man, if you go through and you start working out here, things aren't going to seem so bad. Uh, it, it's a wonderful way to, to kind of get away from it all, if only for an hour or so. Uh, you get in there, you get focused on the weights, and then, hey, you know, the world's going to be waiting for you, but for that hour – just get dialed in, focus on you, and I think you'll find that uh, it, it will be a tremendous source of inspiration and joy and, ho and hopefully help, help you set some of those bricks down so that way you're not carrying so much of a load emotionally. I want to thank you for that five system uh, because uh, I'm doing it uh, more and more. I'm sharing my workouts. Uh, uh, one of the promises I made to my uh, town here was that I would share my workouts. 
uh, as champion of optimal uh, wellness uh, for Tenafine for Creskill now, uh, that I would share what I'm doing and encourage people you know, to do whatever they're doing and, and learn from them as well as uh, convey information. So uh, I've been sharing my workshops, uh, my uh, workouts on uh, Facebook, and uh, I've been using the five system more and more. Uh, because it broke me through the mental barriers that the uh, eight to twelve rep thing had kept me in, and right, because I was right, yeah. and reps, I surpassed that and I broke it, and I've been making advances uh, in my poundages uh, amazingly. And 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 again, it was in my head. That's what was keeping me back. That I was following this eight to twelve system uh, and progressing very slowly. Whereas when I broke through that my gains have been very fast and I've been going up in poundages very uh, quickly. So I want to thank you for that. That that's uh, been amazing and uh, very effective. I'm just, I'm glad it helps. I, I think it's amazing the era that we're in now, just this information age that we're a part of now, uh, you know, even, and this is a fairly new system. I mean, uh, when Schwarzenegger wrote his book, the encyclopedia of bodybuilding, uh, that was back in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, where a lot of people just didn't have the, the sheer access to information that we have now. And I think that's one of the fantastic things is people going through and sharing their workouts like you're doing because it's, it's very inspiring for other people. And then, But I, I just recommend everyone treat it like a Chinese buffet. Uh, take what you want, leave what you don't, take what works for you, implement it into your system however you see fit, uh, and then watch the games go. Indeed. And uh, our time is almost over for today. Um, and uh, would you like to share any last minute wisdom or any contact information? Uh, the way that you promote me on, on your Facebook page is absolutely the, the best way. I'm, I'm horrible when it comes to self-promotion, but what you do for me there is, is absolutely, uh, it's perfect. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't provide better information than you've already done. Uh, I'm greatly honored, and uh, uh, I thought of a couple of new ways uh, that we can spread uh, the circle of awareness, and I will talk to you uh, about them uh, offline during this week. Uh, I started okay. doing it with the theurgy folks, and uh, um, you know, it, it, it's proven very effective, so I'm going to do it with uh, everybody, uh, and uh, so we'll have that conversation soon. Ryan, thank you. You're an awesome individual. I know you've made a very big difference in uh, my life. And I'm very honored to have you uh, helping to make a big difference in the lives of our listeners as well. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Okay, we're going to listen to uh, Brand Kardorian's King of Dreams, and then we'll be back with Ron Carson's Coliseum.
And welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I'm your host, Hercules Invictus. And now we move from mythic fitness to mythic inspiration, starting with Ron Carson's Coliseum with uh, radio personality Ron Carson. Greetings and welcome, Ron. Happy Independence Day, a bit uh, belated. And uh, we're on yes. our way to your birthday. That's right, uh, next Saturday, actually. <laughs> So we yeah, still have a little of, ways to go, uh, Hercules. Uh, nice to be back here with you on our monthly journey into the Coliseum, where we spotlight one of your favorite Teplum films of all time, 
and tonight's is a true masterpiece. We have uh, chosen to discuss and comment about the 1963 epic film Cleopatra, which is a favorite of many. Uh, Including myself. Yes. It pretty much has a lot of sidebars, this movie, if you remember. And the bottom line was, the first thing about it is, it was a long film, if you remember. Four hours and eight minutes, final cut yeah. with intermission, of course. Back in the old days, you did have a 10, 15-minute break to go out and get refreshments or, you know, hit the uh, lavatory or, at that time, go out in front of the theater and maybe smoke a cigar or a cigarette. So um, they pretty much worked that intermission in during lengthy films of that nature. And it truly was probably one of the best uh, cast and performed uh, versions of all time. You might remember the first time Cleopatra actually hit the silver screen was during the silent era where Theda Barra played the title role. And then yeah. 17 years later, I'm sorry? Yes, I remember. And 17 years later, the first sound version featured Claudette Colbert, who co-starred with Clark Gable. In uh, It Happened One Night, uh, she portrayed Cleopatra as well. But then about 30 years later, 20th Century Fox decided to uh, bring this masterpiece back to life. And Joseph I. Mankiewicz was leading the way at the director's chair. And it was actually based from a book entitled The Life and Times of Cleopatra, by Carlo Maria Franzero. And they mm-hmm. took this uh, movie from histories by Plutarch, Suetonius, and Apian. Three uh, characters you truly know and love in the world of, of uh, ancient literature, cuz. I've shown sure. the <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Now, it was the highest grossing film of 1963 because... Mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox really sunk a lot of money into this movie. I mean, it almost bankrupted them. But because they made a profit upon its release worldwide, $27 million, which you can imagine how much money that was back in 1963. Yes. Quite a bit of it, would you say? I would say so, yes. I mean, it it really, really uh, kind of like saved the uh, company, but it still lost money, believe it or not. Because really? Because production and marketing costs, they spent over $40 million on that, on a separate budget. I mean, they were like all out promoting this film, and they wanted to make sure it was done right. But you know, according to the profit margin, ticket sales went well, but the promotion of the movie, <clears throat> excuse me, The promotion of the film actually caused the company to lose revenue on it also. But um, eventually they survived and everybody else was very, very uh, pleased with the end result. I mean, this movie played to packed houses all across the globe. And without a doubt, the cast is like, speaks for itself over here. You have uh, Elizabeth Taylor in the title role. And her future husband, Richard Burton, played Mark Antony. There was more on that. 
because there's a sidebar to that particular uh, debacle coming up toward the end. Uh, Rex Harrison actually portrayed Julius Caesar wonderfully in this movie. This was way before he was talking to the animals as Dr. Doolittle, mm-hmm. a film that you and I remember very, very well. The Push I Me, Pull You Llamas. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, I mean... But uh, Rex Harrison was a very dynamic, uh, dramatic actor in more ways than one. And um, the film actually began in 48 BC, introducing Julius Caesar going to Egypt, as he actually was an executor of a will that Cleopatra was involved in, along with the Pharaoh Ptolemy the Thirteenth. He was played by Richard okay. O'Sullivan, also if you recall, and. Cleopatra was not a very, very, uh, you know, easygoing woman. She was very cunning, conniving, sly, very selfish, too, if you remember, too. Always thought of herself in this particular uh, story. Well, if you remember, after Caesar comes to uh, Rome, to Egypt, to take care of this, she's crowned the queen and... She begins to develop dreams of ruling the world with him, who in turn, Caesar, of course, wants to become king of Rome, but eventually uh, the Senate was pretty uh, uncomfortable with that particular uh, development. So that's why in the Ides of March, four years later, in 44 BC, Julius Caesar was assassinated and a rebellion occurred. And this is where you introduce Richard Burton in the movie as uh, Caesar's adopted son, Mark Antony, along with Octavian and General Marcus Aemilius Lepidus, put down the rebellion and split up the republic between the three of them over here. And Cleopatra, of course, Cleopatra, of course, uh, begins a love affair with Mark Antony and she kind of like was giving him high hopes of ruling the world with her. And eventually he kind of gave in on this. Now the uh, sidebar to this story with uh, Liz Taylor and Richard Burton was that during filming of this picture, they actually had an affair. And ironically, they were both married to two different people. They Mm -hmm. actually divorced and then they became husband and wife a year later after completion of the movie was done. So uh, not only did they become on-screen lovers, they became off-screen lovers, too. And that kind of, like, rubbed the 20th Century Fox the wrong way because... I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Mm. That was a scandal, yes. There was a scandal. Excuse me. And uh, the movie company was not very, very uh, respondent to that scandal. That's the problem. And it it led to a lot of bad publicity. And it made headlines worldwide, of course, the uh, affair between Liz Taylor and Richard Burton, which was also consummated on screen as well. And a little sidebar, um, two uh, very uh, well-known actors were supposed to play Julius Caesar and Mark Antony in this movie, but they had to bow out because of previous commitments and, One of them was Stephen Boyd, of course, who co-starred with Charlton Heston and Ben-Hur. Yes. And the other was Peter Finch. So because of those uh, 
the two of them dropping out of the movie, they had to recast both of the uh, characters, and that's where Rex Harrison and Richard Burton came into the scene. I mean, this supporting cast is, like, amazing. Roddy McDowell, of course, from Planet of the Apes fame, was Octavian, Augustus. Martin Lando portrayed Rufio. Hume Cronin was also in this. Carol O'Connor, Archie Bunker was in this movie, too, as Casca. Richard O'Sullivan, of course, playing Ptolemy the Thirteenth. I mean, the list goes on and on. And that was, without a doubt, uh, all the elements put together made this one of the most uh, popular peplum films of the 20th century. And as I mentioned, in the uh, in the uh, film, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice over here. I talk too much on the radio today, you know? <laughs> so kind of like without any water over here, it kind of like <laughs> is not exactly the uh, ideal setting for me over here. But uh, to make a long story short, um, let's continue over here. Um, they also focus on a war in this movie, the Battle of Actium, which took place in 31 BC, where Octavian defeated Antony's fleet, and then later on. Cleopatra assumed that her lover was dead and offers the Egyptian forces to go home. And then finally, that did not come true as Antony was allowed to come back and resume command of his troops and fight in the advancing army. And uh, Martin Landau as Rufio was the last man who was Antony's, you know, loyal soldier committing suicide. And then Apollodorus also plays a key role in this movie as he convinces Antony that Cleopatra is dead, you know? And mm-hmm. eventually, Mark Antony died in Cleopatra's arms, and then later on comes the total ending of the movie where she plans her own suicide, and hence the scene with the asp crawling along the floor. And that was pretty much the... Uh, nutshell of the movie. I mean, uh, it concentrated on the two main characters. It concentrated on some of the battles. It concentrated on some historical moments that occurred, including the assassination of Julius Caesar. And, like I said, despite the turbulence this movie encountered during filming, and there was quite a bit of it, because ironically, they started shooting this movie about a year or two prior to its release in 1963, but Elizabeth Taylor fell ill, and as a result, they had to halt production, and that's where Fox wound up also taking a bath over here. And finally, they only produced 10 minutes of finished product. Wow. With a cost of $7 million when production was shut down. 10 minutes of a four-hour-plus movie. I mean... You can't really put some substance into this, you know? Well, I know. That's amazing that it got made at all. Well, there was a lot of obstacles when making this picture until finally the finished product was released. And eventually, the movie did get nominated for a total of nine Academy Awards. It did win a couple of accolades, including Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction and Set, Best Costume Design, and Best Special Effects. 
it did not win Best Picture, and it did not reward any of the uh, main principal actors a golden statuette. However, Rex Harrison, Roddy McDowell, and the director Joseph A. L. Mankiewicz did win Golden Globes the following year in uh, 1964. They actually were nominated, but they didn't win. I'm sorry. I have to retract that over here. But uh, they did get nominated for Golden Globes, but they still did not win. And even the Best Picture category, it did not win either. I mean, there was quite a bit of competition in this uh, day and age in cinema. So that's uh, one of the reasons why it didn't receive any main Academy Awards. But still, four out of nine is not too bad, if you ask me. No, and it's it's still a classic uh, decades later, and it's uh, become an immortal piece of cinema. So they certainly succeeded uh, in uh, the view of history. Yes, by all means. Um, The soundtrack also did very well at record stores. Alex North was responsible for that. And they pretty much um, banked on that in order to... uh, pick up some more audience in that as well. But some uh, the critics were not too kind when uh, Cleopatra came out. Time Magazine, quote, Cleopatra riddled with flaws. Judith Christ, a very well-known critic back in the uh, 60s, concurred, saying it was a monumental mouse. A monumental mouse? Mag- a monumental mouse, like the rodent. Okay. Yep. And... Even Elizabeth Taylor herself, the star of the movie, this is what she said, quote, and I quote this from the uh, Wikipedia page, they cut out the heart, the essence, the motivations, the very core, and tacked on all these battle scenes. It should have been about three large people, and it lacked reality and passion. I found it vulgar, unquote. Wow. This was from the star herself. Um, but uh, but positive reviews from Variety, the New York Times, calling it one of the great epic films of our day. Uh, film critic Emmanuel Levy kind of like said it was a borderline, much maligned for various reasons. So there weren't exactly, you know, promising accolades on this film. There were, I mean, for Elizabeth Taylor to also slam this movie. That was pretty much a, a shocker, if you ask me. I mean, oh, this was a, a film. I, I never knew that. That's that is pretty shocking. Yeah, well, you know, I read, I, I got it from the Wikipedia bio page, and uh, I wanted to read that to you verbatim and give them credit for uh, what it was due over here. Now, you might recall, in 2015, 13 actually, this was six years ago. They released the 50th anniversary restored version of Cleopatra. First, it I had a viewing. Have they have a, you have that on DVD. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I have only the video to that movie. I, I I need to pick up the DVD in my collection also. And they first showed the uh, re-release across the pond in the Cannes Film Festival, and it then was available on DVD and Blu-ray. And the uh, special features included commentary, and there were some short films included. You probably remember, if you have the DVD, there's uh, two short movies entitled The Cleopatra Papers and The Fourth Star of Cleopatra. 
It's but been a while since the, I've watched it. So. But the unedited scenes, you know, the outtakes and pretty much, uh, you know, deleted scenes and stuff, Fox did not save the uh, bloopers or outtakes, you know what I mean? Because they tried mm-hmm. to save some money and they destroyed the negatives. So we never got to see bloopers or pretty much, you know, outtakes of this particular movie. Usually DVDs will show that or Blu-ray. Yeah. But in this instance, it will not. It was not available in more ways than one. So that's the problem. We uh, pretty much uh, are going to be robbed of seeing any, you know, behind-the-scenes moments of uh, Cleopatra. But all in all, you can safely say, see, I remember we were a little too young to see this upon its original release, but I think they did re-release it at theaters uh, a couple yes, of years later, and you and I went to see that, I remember, too. Yes, and yes my they did, and they used to play on TV, too. It was too long. It was a long movie. Yes. And Basically, what I had a reputation for long movies was I used to fall asleep in them when I was young. <laughs> but I did it on this one, if you remember. Right. I think I think the old RKO showed uh, a re-release of the movie we went to see that way back when, upon our uh, youth growing up in the, you know, Bronx and Washington Heights. In Washington I mean, Heights, yeah. I miss, I miss those classic theaters. You know, I miss those large, opulent venues uh, where you can actually, you know, see a show. And this screen was, like, so tremendously large. And it's just, you don't get the same effect in current movie houses than you do with this, uh, with the type of, with the way we see, we saw movies. I mean, the RKO, that's basically why I like being called Ron Carson's Coliseum, because the theater was known as the Coliseum. The Coliseum, located right yeah. down the block, right down the block from where I lived in Washington Heights. And, uh, I remember. Now, and you and I had seen many a film in those days in that movie house, which now is completely decimated, and you don't even want to go in there to see a, a film at the old RKO Coliseum. I mean, the uh, it's still stay, it's still situated in the same location where the old movie house was, but nothing. Nothing like what we experienced way back when. No. And when you and saw masterpieces of this stature in a particular venue like the RKO Coliseum, I mean, it made you appreciate seeing a movie a whole lot more. Plus, the price of a ticket was a hell of a lot more cheaper, too, you know? And now that there's social media, uh, we've discovered that there's other people who are big fans of the uh, these uh, classic Peplum movies, like uh, Peplum Paradise, which we've covered, the complete A to Z of Italian Peplum and historical novels, uh, historical correct. movies, I'm sorry, which we've uh, uh, also touched upon and which we'll later review in detail. And now it's Women of Peplum Movies, which... Uh, Although our mm-hmm. friends uh, Nick Whale and Stephen Smith are there, this is a Pat Reeves group. Um, what are your impressions of that group? My impressions were it's very well uh, constructed, very well informative. The photos are absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's another stroll down memory lane. It's another drama-free group where people share their uh, you know, admiration and knowledge of the sword and sandal era. And it's just, uh, you know, these 
particular groups I enjoy being part of because of the fact that, number one, they are drama-free, for starters. Number two, you get like a plethora of information regarding all of these pictures that we are accustomed to, uh, you know, have in our lives even to this day, and we're lucky to yeah. have them, too, in more ways than one. And I, I took a nice analysis of the group uh, saying that, yeah, it, it is very Nick Whale, Stephen Smithish, you know? Even though they're, they're not there. the admins, they are part of the group, but uh, they are also the people that have constructed this particular site and page. Also, I tip my hat off to them as well. Yeah, I do too. I enjoy uh, visiting. Uh, I visit uh, Peplum Paradise uh, the most uh, often. And then I visit uh-huh. the complete A to Z of Italian peplum and historical movies uh, to catch mm-hmm. up on what uh, Nick and Stephen are doing uh, um, on their magnum opus that they're putting together. They've been working on for quite some time. And I can't wait till the book comes out, uh, by the way. Uh, it's going to be in multiple volumes, from what I understand. Well, and, I'm going to uh, order my copy for sure. Almost oh, certainly so. And uh, Women of Peplum Movies, uh, uh, I've been visiting increasingly more and more, and uh, I've discovered some other groups uh, besides. So um, I find that whatever free time I have, and it's at a premium, uh, I like spending uh, time with my passions, which include uh, Peplum uh, movies of yeah. all sorts. Uh, we're very fortunate, very blessed to have uh, all these individuals uh, sharing their passions each in their own way uh, on Facebook uh, because it gives us uh, more to immerse ourselves in. And uh, Brian's Drive-In Theater, um, his uh, website, uh, I remember first stumbling across it way, way back when in the 90s or the 80s even been a long time and it's still there and it's evolving and uh now we're very fortunate to have brian be on our show monthly uh you know giving us updates on all the peplum movies and uh, uh hints on where you can find uh, uh copies of them available so uh very very blessed uh, this uh part of our lives is still part of our lives and we found other people whose passions equal our own oh absolutely i mean uh this genre of film has been with us uh, since we were kids, I remember. And now that we're, you know, grown adults, we still admire the the movies that we grew up with and we admire the uh, particular uh, presentation of these uh, motion pictures. And, you know, all these group pages kind of take us back to memory lane. That's what I really enjoy about this. I mean... You also wind up learning stuff that you don't know about when it comes to uh, a particular picture in general. So, yeah, this is the, one of the reasons why I'm part of the uh, Peplum groups on Facebook because of the fact that I like, you know, I live in the past. You know that by now, right? I'm not exactly a 21st century type of guy, and the bottom line is I enjoy, you know, revisiting my past and revisiting. The uh, you know the moments that made me happy, not only in cinema but in television as well. So I I pretty much don't follow new uh, programming on TV anymore because I kind of like enjoy living to the past and watching the old shows that I uh, grew up with and have been fond of all my life. And the same thing with the movies too. 
I mean, it's not the same when you pretty much go uh, to the to a film these days. First of all, they're mighty expensive, and you know they have all this technological sound, and it's uh, the experience is not as pure, in my opinion, as when we used to go to the movies back in the old days, and that's a part of that's a part of our lives at least that we were able to fulfill and that we at least can say that we lived throughout the golden age of cinema and in more ways than one we appreciate it even more now as we are adults would you say that's a fair assessment cause that's a fair assessment and i'm actually fixated on what happened 3000 years ago during the age of heroes in the mediterranean so <laughs> that is correct well you know you've uh, you've resurrected the title of hercules in more ways than one and you're keeping his legacy alive in more ways i can fathom over here and i'm very proud of you and i'm proud that you're also my cousin and my brother and uh I learn a lot from your adventures, and, uh, you know, you just keep on rocking, as they say. Same here with you, and I'm glad that we were finally able to do this show together. We've been talking about it for decades, and I'm glad it finally happened. And uh, next time we get together, I'm going to share some information with you. It's going to grow and expand in the months ahead. So uh, on that note— you are going to see me on Saturday, as a matter of fact, because I'm coming down for the weekend after I'm done with work on Saturday here in Massachusetts. I'll I'll be coming down to uh, Jersey, and I'll be spending the day on Sunday because I owe uh, my mother another visit. And, well, so your mother is leaving for overseas for a couple of weeks. So, you know, it'll be some good time to catch up with the family and with you as well. So uh, we'll definitely uh, lock horns over a cup of joe and brainstorm even more about these new ideas. I look forward to hearing about them, okay? I'm looking forward to I'll see you in a few days. And uh, thank you very yep. much. Our time, our adventure today is over, but we'll continue on Saturday. Uh, we're going to listen to Merlin and I by Dave the Bard, and then we'll be back for the final segment of our show with Tim Espy of Level 1 Games. Uh, be well, brother. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Be well, too, Kalinista, and uh, I love you, and uh, we'll uh, talk again uh, this weekend, okay? Kalinista, I love you, too. Take care, cuz. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Father God. 
God of the earth holds his mother in his arms as she
Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and tonight's final segment is a Mythic Inspiration segment titled Mythic Gaming, and we have Tim Espy and Zach McCaddy representing Level 1 Games. Greetings, gentlemen. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing extraordinarily awesome. Good to hear. And, uh, I'm looking forward to getting a PlayStation 4 now. I found uh, um, inexpensive uh, copies of uh, um, God of War number four, uh, of uh, Assassin's Creed uh, Origins and Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey. And uh, online, I found a very inexpensive copy of uh, Theseus. so uh, I managed to get all the games that I was really interested in getting uh, one fell swoop. So now I have to get the system so I can play them. Yeah, I think uh, I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of, especially the God of Wars, but the new Assassin's Creeds um, I've heard are, are very good and quite different from the the previous installments um, in in a in a much better way. Different. So I think you'll have a, a lot of enjoyment out of them. Yes, it touches. Uh, so now I can get into Norse mythology, uh, Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology. So uh, it promises to be quite a, a voyage. And I was researching Assassin's uh, Creed and uh, finding that they have uh, Jupiter, Minerva, and uh, um, Juno, who are Roman uh, gods and goddesses, uh, as part of the backstory for the entire saga. And that... Uh, the ancient stuff has to do with these uh, deities. So uh, uh, I can, when I finish the Greek and Egyptian game, or when I experience them, uh, these threads, the mythological threads, uh, run into the other uh, games as well. So uh, that sustained my interest, and in now I got to collect the other games. <laughs> I am, that's neat. I didn't know that that it was tied that heavily all together like that. Yeah, neither did I, but YouTube informed me otherwise today. So So what is new and exciting with you and with Level 1 Games? And Zach, what's new and exciting with you, too? Uh, Well, the uh, the newest thing on our our recent list was uh, I just hosted an RPG called Die, based off of a current comic that's uh, being published. And Tim and a few other friends took part in that. It's It's a very meta and uh, psychologically driven game. So we just played that over the course of two sessions, which totaled, I think, I want to say around 14 or so hours, but uh, it was a really good time. So you published the comic? It was based on original material? Um, I didn't publish it. It's a comic being published now by the uh, the writer of a series called The Wicked Plus the Divine, who has branched out, and uh, he describes it as goth Jumanji. The basic idea is this group of people played RPGs as kids, got sucked into the RPG world, came out two years later missing a person, some of them missing limbs, 
and now they're all in their 40s, and the game comes back into their possession, and they get re-sucked back into the game. Oh, wow. So did you have fun, uh, Tim? Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. Like you said, it's, a, it's very meta in that there's you're playing a character who's playing a character. Um, so it, it got a... It got pretty meta in on itself, but uh, it it fit the the style that I like. Um, uh, it it mixed you know some futuristic kind of elements with some post-apocalyptic style of stuff that I had in my head with with fantasy, so it touches the the quote-unquote normal D and D you know aesthetic a little bit. Um, but the mechanics are are different and I guess simplified. I guess is a fair word, but simplified in a better way. For me, at least, it was a it was a really good, really good setup, and it's definitely I definitely want to explore some more stories with that, with that type of uh, like uh, that type of module that it's based on. Yeah, that sounds uh, really really uh, interesting. You make very interesting games, Zach. Oh, thank you. And uh, um, how are the other things coming along? The tournaments. Uh, at uh, level one games, uh, you have uh, Pokemon and you have Magic and you have all, all, you have all the board games. Uh, how are those coming along? Yeah, everything's coming along. We just uh, had. I felt like I, we were just talking about this, but we just had another pre-release for a new Magic set that uh, is officially coming out this Friday. But we do the pre-release a week early, um, so we just went through through that, which was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So the store has been Full, full of people because of because of that, and then we have uh, another Pokemon set coming out in another month or so. Um, so yeah, we're staying busy. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. I was in the area uh, last week, but we're running very uh, short on time, so I didn't have an opportunity to drop by uh, to say hello. I was going to look through your. Uh, um, your uh, discount bin that you have near the the window in front of the store. I found some really great games there last time, uh, but it didn't happen. So uh, uh, hopefully yeah, we'll do the next I, uh, area again. I'm constantly filling that bin up, so there's more. So I even threw some PS4 stuff in there, actually, too, so when the time oh, comes. Um, but uh, another game that you have to check out, I know I mentioned it before, but is Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. Um, that, that's something that that is super interesting. Oh, what other games would you recommend? Because uh, again, if I get a, a PlayStation Four, I'm going to want to like play around with it till I find what I'd like to play repeatedly. And although the ones I got thematically uh, interest me the most, that doesn't really mean that I'm going to enjoy playing them the most. So, uh, uh, you know, what other type of uh, games would you recommend? Right, yeah, definitely the God of War, definitely um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and now it might not be your your full thing, but uh, the new the Resident Evil Two remake that they came out with is the best like remake in my opinion that's ever been made. Okay. Um, but but you have to like zombie shooting and third person shooting and stuff. Um, that, I, that game I, was really good. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think uh, what else that you would be that you would be interested in having my one that you'd be interested in that jumps out. 
Um, I mean, I think you hit, hit the nail pretty pretty well on the head for you with the Assassin's Creed and the and the God of War. I think that's perfectly fits in your wheelhouse. I used to love the Diablo saga um, up until Diablo two. Uh, Diablo 3 I purchased uh, when I first got my PlayStation 3 and I really didn't enjoy the changes at all they kind of uh, killed for me the uh, um, you know the, the losing yourself in the game there was way too much information on the screen <laughs> to process uh, the other Diablos were kind of uh, you know mindless um, and very easy to immerse yourself in this one kept breaking uh, the spell that drew you into the game and uh, made it into a temporary reality because uh, you had to deal with uh, so many things on the screen. So uh, um, I don't know if any other Diablos came out since then, but I haven't been following Diablo. Um, yeah, and they, they, the, had, uh, go ahead. they had the Diablo 3 uh, Reaper of Souls edition, I believe, yeah. which they, they fixed some of the issues that people were having with it, but um, I think a lot of the issues that you had still kind of stand. I think that's just kind of the direction they took that game in. Um, yeah, so I don't think I'd be able to recommend that one fully to you. I'm sorry? I said that, that, that they came out with the Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls edition is what it's called. Yeah. Um, but they, they addressed some issues that people had, but not kind of not the ones that, that you addressed. So I don't know if I would be able to fully recommend it for you. Yeah, I picked that up too and played with it because uh, I had heard that as well. Uh, but it, it was essentially, you know, the, 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 um, the suspension of disbelief that kind of gets you into a movie or into a uh, game uh, kept being interrupted by the way they had you processing information the new way. Uh, so uh, I, I just couldn't get, get into it, and I and I loved the franchise up to then. I remember when Diablo came out. Uh, then there was uh, um, uh, I forget what it was called, something Hell uh, that another third party company had made uh, that kind of uh, added some new locations to Diablo. Then they came out Diablo two in the expansions, and I loved Diablo two. That was like my favorite uh, um, uh, video game of all time. Uh, and and again, three kind of killed it uh, for me. There was a Viking yeah, game it, 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 for PlayStation Three that was kind of like in the Diablo vein, but I didn't get a chance to to check that out yet. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what that one is. It's not any of the Lord of the Rings games, right? No, no. Um, yeah, I don't know what uh, which, which Viking game is for PS3. I, I will look I it up on the Banner Saga. Which is, what's the Banner Saga? It's a uh, a Viking Nordic mythology themed strategy game where you're uh, forming like a clan of Vikings and traveling across the country. You move on a a square grid map, and it borrows mm-hmm. from Fire Emblem in that if a character dies, they they're dead. Okay. That sounds interesting. Gods and Monsters is coming out soon, too, for uh, PlayStation 4, and that's going to be uh, Greek mythology, I think. Oh, do, do you know anything more about it? It was the people that made, uh, um, I believe they made the Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey, uh, and hmm. it, it looks a bit more cartoony, whereas uh, 
uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is like photorealistic. You know, like, it's like you're watching a movie or you're in, immersing yourself in a movie. Uh, the clips I saw of Gods and Monsters were, you know, more cartoonish. But uh, if your passion is Greek mythology like mine is, um, you know, I, it's, it's certainly appealing. Uh, and I believe it's an open-ended world where you have freedom to pretty much do whatever you want. And I, I enjoy those type of games as well. Oh, interesting. I'll have to look into that. I haven't heard much about it. Zach, do you follow RPGs that are coming out? I try to keep abreast of some of the newer releases. So uh, a lot of like Kickstarter ones I'll help back, things like that. Uh, I know right now I'm excited. They're making an RPG based off of the Alien movie franchise. It's supposed to be oh, wow. really good. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. They also brought back, uh, uh, for I guess my mythology passion, a Sion. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. S C I O N. It was the Sion. And, uh, uh, they released, uh, I think, uh, um, a Dungeon Master screen with a preliminary adventure and uh, an origin book. And I managed to track those down. And now they're uh, republishing uh, all the other books in the series. And uh, I had awesome. the old version of it. And now they're, they're coming out with a new version of it. And uh, that's kind of like mythic uh, being in mythology today, kind of like American gods or in Supernatural where the gods are walking around or any one of a number of those types of, of shows. Uh, so uh, uh, the origin issue and uh, um, preliminary adventure seemed really, really interesting. So I'm looking forward to playing with those at some point. I never actually got to play the series. I, I made a character and tried to learn – how to DM it, but then never could get it grouped together. But it always fascinated me, the idea that you're these, like, avatars and descendants of these mythic heroes and gods. And so the, the character I made was a uh, a stage magician slash con man who was an avatar of Odin. Oh, awesome. <laughs> that sounds like fun. And you, and you can transfer a character like that into your other games uh, because, uh, again, it's a, a very interesting uh, variation on the theme. And uh, he should fit into the adventures that you've shared already. Yeah. That, that alien-themed I, game seems interesting. When is that coming out? I think it's late this year. I could be mistaken. Uh, I know that they're doing a hardcover first release, and they've revealed like a few pages of – they have full-page art, beautiful illustrations, and they've released a summary of generally how the game's going to work. It's It focuses on kind of like Ripley, like the blue-collar like miners and construction workers on these different planets, and they have to cope with sudden alien infestations. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. Are they going to integrate the new Prometheus uh... – uh, mythos uh, into it or or the uh, predators or uh, um, the uh, uh, Blade, was it Blade Runner? Blade Runner is part of that universe also and uh, there were some cyborg movies too that were part of the same universe too At the moment I think it's just focusing on the aliens but I think if it's successful okay. enough they're definitely going to add in some Predator and other such splat books but I think that they might be ignoring Prometheus at the moment because it seems like it's it's not building a lot of lore. It's more about uh, – they said it's it's meant to be played cinematically, so they give you a recommended guide of like how to play it in small cinematic episodes to structure like a movie. So I think that they're just kind of giving you the, 
the builder's kit to build your own mythology in the universe. Sounds very exciting and like lots of fun. Back in the day, uh, I used to run uh, like mixed uh, uh, genre games, uh, and uh, we had a, a store called the Barbarian Bazaar in Pennsylvania, and we did gaming there. Uh, and uh, we would have like everything mixed together. So Star Wars with uh, Star Trek, with uh, Stargate, with, you know, you name it, you know, mix up. And uh, um, it, it was kind of tongue in cheek too. Like we had uh, our last two campaigns were Die, Gungan Die and Wookiee Holocaust. Uh, and then that led, to, <laughs> that led to the Time Wars, which kind of, you know, like uh, condensed this timeline that had been, uh, building up for like over 20 years in different role-playing games. It just got too complex. So uh, uh, we kind of retconned and revamped and came up with a new timeline after that. But it was a lot of fun. We had the Men in Black. We had uh, um, evil Nomakians from the show ALF. We had like all sorts of <laughs> weirdness. Uh, yeah, anybody could play anything. And uh, um, like I said, there was some comedy involved too. So it was a lot of fun to play. And when you... Uh, Tell me the descriptions uh, of the games that you guys are running, uh, although your, guy, your games seem much more creative and, uh, and uh, weird than what I used to run. Uh, what do you call it? So I would really like to play one of those games one of these days because it sounds like a lot of fun. We're hoping to maybe start playing some of them at the store because, like, a lot of these small indie games, it's I kind of do a trial run with, like the private group to see if it's worth doing, how the mechanics work, if it's suitable for a public space, because some of them can go to darker places. Like this, this last one, Die, it's very much built around the idea of psychologically tempting and turning people's temptations on their heads. So depending on the group, that may or may not be something you want to do in public. <laughs> it depends on how... Right flawed people make their characters and the, the the author of the book says that you should stop developing your character when they're messy because if you move past that you're just going to solve all the problems that make them messy and then they're no fun <laughs> um that is a great thing do you write reviews of these uh, retro uh, these uh indie games no i i don't do any reviewing myself i'm uh kind of like a stealth user <laughs> i I don't really okay. push around too much. Because I'm sure people would like to learn about them, and uh, that's an obscure uh, uh, topic, and there's so many games coming out that it's, it's really hard to keep track of them. Uh, so uh, I welcome you to, if you find a game that's uh, um, like you did tonight and last time, if you feel something needs to be uh, um, shared uh, you're more than welcome when uh, Tim has you on the show to to share uh, whatever treasures you find as you're exploring RPGs. Well, that sounds great. Thank you. My pleasure. I, I'd really like to hear about them. And uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. Time zooms by very fast. Um, I shared it with all my other uh, guests and co-hosts and hosts tonight, but uh, we're we're revamping the shows. And the folks that currently have a uh, um, half hour, uh, I'm going to try to give them 40 minutes to an hour uh, after the revamp because time passes way too quickly. And we're just getting into things and then the, uh, the time is up. So uh, uh, if you guys are interested, just let me know. 
and uh, we'll have a conversation about that uh, by email or by phone. Uh, and then when we structure the show, we can make it longer. Yeah, that, that would be, that would be wonderful. Okay. Awesome. Uh, can you leave us with some uh, contact information and uh, what people can look forward to um, beyond the tournaments at uh, level one games? Uh, yeah. The contact info is uh, on Facebook. If you search level one games, um, that'll come up and if you send us a, like a direct message, I'm the one that usually replies. So you'll be talking directly to me if you have any questions. Uh, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and then uh, level1games.com, the, the numerical one, number, the number one, uh, level1games.com. Yeah, if you have any questions, feel free, send us a message. Like I said, I'm usually the one that replies, and I'd be more than happy to uh, to help anyone out. Um, things in the future, um, still, like I said, tournaments and, uh, and new card sets getting released all the time, our video game tournaments, and board game nights and and all all the fun stuff that makes uh, an LGS a fun LGS. Thank you so very much. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you soon and talking to you soon. Uh, thanks to both of you for uh, um, expanding our awareness of all the wonderful things that are going on uh, in the gaming community and at Level 1 Games. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks so much. I always love talking to you. Thanks for having me on. Have a good night. Same here. Take care, and thanks to all who are listening tonight or who will be listening on demand in the future. Until next time, this is Hercules and Tim and Zach wishing you joyous journeys and awesome adventures. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.